go up to him and I sort of shake him and I'm like, hi, I'm really sorry. You're snoring really loudly. And he's like, oh, he's, oh I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and his son is like, dad, you've got to stop snoring so loud. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it's all right. Just stop. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't Stay know what away. to say. He did not watch more than six minutes of that film. Uh-huh. He was fast asleep. Like the snoring came in and out. But... <laughs> So this is a new one of really weird things happening in the cinema and coming on this show and complaining about them. So in my screening of Talk To Me, Mm -hmm. fairly empty screening, I think six or seven people in total in a sort of medium-sized multiplex screening. And I walk in, you know, it's midway through the ads, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got the Audi type hybrids Mm -hmm. and the Diet Coke and the Jaguar X, whatever. Mm And there's this, I'm like, you know, the very front row of seats. You've got like a walkway and then loads of seats. I'm just right at the front, like see the screen. There's there's like loads of seats in front, but I've got like a walkway. And then to the right of me, like two rows ahead, are two men, one of whom is like 30s and then what I assume was his dad Mm -hmm. in his late 50s to mid 60s. And the old guy is deep asleep, deep asleep. And he's asleep like sort of in a very dad way with his you know, arms back, folded, asleep. And I'm, you know, seeing the ads, I'm sort of flicking on my phone, waiting for them to finish. And I just hear this very deep... Wow. And I thought, that's interesting, to be asleep already within what I assume is five minutes of ads. And that that deep sleep? Deep, deep sleep. So I'm like, it's really loud. And like, there's another guy who's my age who's sitting on my row. And we're both laughing because he's snoring really loudly. And I'm like, okay, but you know, okay, sleeping now, surely it will end. And so we get to the trailers, trailers, and I'm like, make as the lights go down, but the noise goes up, so like maybe something will wake him up. First trailer is for like a softly spoken foreign language indie yeah. romance film, like this is no good. Yeah. I need like a trailer to yeah. come in. Then I, then I see the trailer for the Equalizer 3, and I'm like, right, this should, there's a car yeah. explosion, there's, the there's guns <laughs> going off, nothing. Deep. <laughs> oh, no. You know those like snores where the mouth is open? Yeah, oh it's yeah. Like a, Oh, no, yeah. This that, was like a deep, like the, the chin yeah. is, oh, yeah. is, is down. A very dad's snore. Sleep, yeah. And like people are laughing because he's really snoring. And then you get to the... Oh, so his son is next to him. Just his son is next to him. No, huh. no care in the world. And I'm like, this really won't do. This really, yeah. really in won't this do. very quiet atmospheric horror <laughs> I was film. like, this is new. Like, and I was like, maybe he was, he was in the last screen. That's what I was thinking. But yeah. I was like, his son is there. Uh, anyway, and they had loads of food with them. And it gets to like BBSC rating, talk to me, you know, a very quiet moment and still snoring. And the one thing that stirred him a bit was if you go to a view cinema, Daniel Kaluuya does a voiceover where he goes, Oi, <laughs> yeah. got you, didn't I? Yeah. Time to turn off your phone. That made him go. <laughs> and he woke up for a bit and I was like, oh, good. Thank you, Daniel Kaluuya for yeah. your like loud thing. But film started and the snoring continued. No. So the film, and it's quite, uh, talk to me, it's quite a loud first scene. Yeah. So I was like, if this doesn't wake him up, I don't know what is. So, you know, that loud scene ended and it, you know, the film starts and it's just. Oh no, you got it. Yeah, it someone's... was terrible. And so there's like everyone in the theater is like laughing. I'm like completely losing. Yeah. You know, immersion, this is a horror yeah. film. I can't have yeah. this happen. So I was like, Am I going to be the one? This is new. Yeah, this, yeah, is, this new is a new challenge. Me. You're testing me today, <laughs> God. And I can really see him and I'm just like... <sighs> so I stand up and I go up to him and I sort of shake him and I'm like, hi, I'm really sorry. You're snoring really loudly. And he's like, oh, he's, oh I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and his son is like, dad, you've got to stop snoring so loud. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like... It's all right, just stop. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know Stay what to away. say. It's a really weird thing to do. And I also like, so I go back, the snoring stops for about 10 minutes. Oh, no. But George, he did not watch more than six minutes of that film. Uh-huh. He was fast asleep. Like the snoring came in and out. But I've just never seen yeah. a dad just not oh. awake at all. And then he woke up at one point in the middle with his phone on full brightness, uh. check it, texts, no, and then back to sleep. So for so, a lot of the film, <sighs> snoring. And what, his son had a responsibility. And to just didn't really, there, yeah. I think at one point he sort of slapped, he was like, everyone can hear you snoring. But like, 
Oh. He was he was howling. I mean, I had a couple topic. of talkers in mind, and I get you know what, James. You know, I give them the look, but there's some people you don't want to go up. And, and I don't want to judge. I'm a snorer. I, I enjoy a good snore. Are you? Yeah, I, I snore. I can't help it. I bet you right. Won't. Oh, because you sleep. <laughs> you can sleep everywhere. You're one of those <laughs> yeah. smug people. Yeah, I uh, snore. It's like not the cinema. Oh, no, however, companies. Just... I mean, very good. Re- ref- you know. Um, Selling point for the seats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comfy. I really didn't want to be that guy, but I just, you know, you're like, I'm like, try and focus, James. Try and focus. I know. And I just couldn't do it. I had to be that guy to well, go I, and go. I had, I had behind me, I had, I have to sort of do the distance because yeah, it's not yeah. the ladder. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't, yeah, I was wrong. Oh, wouldn't it be funny if you were the point where Yeah, wouldn't it? Oh, but days, what days, that's what I'm saying. You yeah. know, yeah. But behind oh. you is better because you can turn. I did do the turn and look, and yeah. they nothing. No, nothing, no, yeah. nothing. I think even a deliberate look at me, and like they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna keep keep talking," but not yeah. not over it up, but just like, "Oh, my days, you know what I'm saying?" Which so we, we, we probably like, yeah. Oh yeah, I bet. Oh, I bet she's gonna go in there. Yeah, but anyway, whatever. It happens. It happens. Um, that well, was that, new. That, I've that never new seen that. Yeah. Like asleep throughout the whole film. Do you know what he's not seen? The movie. <laughs> no, he's, he does not gun to his head. No, a no. single thing about he that movie. He will go home and they will say to him, oh, what do you think of the movie? And he'll go, oh, it's all right. It's all right. He'll go, it's not all right. for me. Not, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> like name one thing that happened. Yeah. I would love it to just, like yeah. his whole family, friends, entire net worth on the line. Tell me one thing that happened in that film and yeah. he couldn't. But yeah, that was a new one. I, I don't want to become a podcast where we just become grumpy old men moaning about conduct in cinema, but I had to report. I have to say, I, I had to no, report. No, I know. But also going to this, I mean, Talk To Me was one of those films that like, I was, I was happy to go see with my friends. Mm. I wasn't, it wasn't like a film I saw months ahead in the calendar and thought yeah. I need to see that. Yeah. So I was quite relaxed. Even if there are a couple of talkers, I was like, okay, but I, I, it's not like Oppenheimer where I really want to, you know, yeah. focus. Or a but contract a certain Having way. said that, you know, a couple of times, sometimes I, I love going to the cinema and then sometimes I'm like, this is why people stay at home. Yeah. This is why people stay at home because everyone else just either treats it like their living room or wants to be in the living room. For anyway. me, it's when there's a problem with the projection or the screening. And mm, I'm like, I'm uh, here for like a very good yes. quality. And if, if you cannot offer me that- Don't then- tell you about the time my friend went to see Akira at my at the, at the cinema, which is great that they're showing an old film mm. and he hadn't seen it, it was great. And it starts and- it's the the projection is too big for the screen, so the, all the uh, subtitles yeah. are off the screen on like the, the fabric, and it's like not corrected from like four um, like four or five minutes. So he goes out and tells someone, yeah. comes back in, takes five minutes to correct. They don't restart the film; they just carry on playing. And yeah, uh, that's 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 um, refundable, I think. In yeah, my, in my, in yeah. my mind. Um, welcome to this episode of Pulp Kitchen, episode eighty. Seven. Seven. Wow. Thank you to everyone who tuned in for the Barbenheimer episode yesterday. We broke our records the day after we posted that for the highest ever yes. listens in last one day. Week. Sorry, yeah. last week. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like yesterday. One year is it? Which is really cool. So thank you so yes, much for tuning you. into that. It was a really great it to was have everyone be a part of it. A big one. Yeah. And oh my god. Yeah. It, was, it was a big record. And we, we, did a spo- the games. We, we did a spoiler episode as well. And you know, there's a whole bank of Barbie and Oppenheimer content for you to yeah. indulge in if you have not. If already. you haven't uh, listened to our spoiler cast, we did a bonus episode. Yes. For people who've now, if you've now caught up on Barbie and Oppenheimer, please go and check those out. And we went over more plot details. Just a full acknowledgement that our emails this week are going to be still very much Barbie and Oppenheimer themed. Yeah. A lot of correspondence. It is the movie event of the year, so we fully understand it. So, thank you. There are other films to talk about this week. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I'm kind of like I've you know I've loved the Barbenheimer thing, but I'm ready to like. Move on. Yes. And you yeah. and I, I like it. We've seen two smaller, newer yes. films. We've seen Talk to Me, a new horror film, and you've seen Joyride. Joyride. Yeah. Right, fantastic. And we also have, as ever, guys, bonus coming content coming out this week. This week, it's going to be about Quentin Tarantino. Why are we making bonus about Quentin Tarantino? Well, listen to the bonus episode and you'll find out. I'd also like to apologize for how our faces just completely deteriorated towards oh, the end. Because gotcha. we did like four hours of yeah. recording. And I'd like to ask any of you, when was the last time you had a four hour long conversation? <laughs> yeah, not, not like, not like, not like on a train when you're not even looking like, at what you're- no, 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 I mean like a yeah. four hour conversation. It is well, trying to rig a set. So I was sending screenshots of our faces like from the beginning and the end, George, just yeah. seeing how we deteriorated. But It's yeah. like in 2001 where at the end we like sees, you know, older versions of himself. <laughs> yeah. You know, he sees the old yeah. man. It's like- yeah. That's how I felt. But the games will be back today. The games are back today. I've got got three rounds of a game that I think we're going to enjoy. Um, And let's get on with it. I will just say that somebody, you know, on the Oppenheimer stuff, Mm. you know, some people said, oh, George, I felt like, you know, you're a bit harsh or or like, you know, were you you in a bit of a bad mood? No, I wasn't in a bad mood. And I don't think I was too harsh at all. I think I was very respectful to the film. I will say that 
not, you're not just hearing us review the film in last week's episode. You're actually hearing James and I have a conversation, the result of which, by the, by the time we finished recording last week, I was like, yeah, I'll go see that again, happily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I did, and I'll be talking about it um, when, we get to the emails. when we get to emails. But now, on to the new films for us to review. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's do Talk To Me, the new mm. horror film that's out. So Talk To Me is a Australian horror f- film from directors Danny Philippou and Michael Philippou who um, cut their teeth and made their name very successfully on YouTube um, in like the peak of YouTube days uh, with a channel called Raka Raka. And they've now branched out into making an actual horror film. Nice, tight, 95-minute horror mm. film. Um, with a very modest budget of $4.5 million. Talk To Me is a horror film, uh, the premise of which is this. We follow a main character called Mia, and who, like a lot of horror movie characters, has a single parent. Um, She's bereaved. Her her mum died two years ago, and she's still very much mourning the loss of that, and her life is still very much imbalanced. Um, She has... She's developed a very close relationship with one of her friends and feels very much kind of ice. You know, she's moved kind of, um, she's rejected kind of the family role of her father and spending more and more time with this other family um, comprised of this, of her friend and her friend's younger brother, Riley. Um, they're very close. And very early on in the film, Mia says, I want to go to this party. Come on, let's let's go and do this. There's There's this, you know, they're doing it again. You see this video footage of, I must say, something that doesn't look like something you'd want to do. It, yeah, looks, no, it actually like, looks like, definitely not it's video that. footage of basically looks like people like ODing, like, yeah. like having basically like Eyes a demonic possession. Back, yeah. And they're like, oh, I want to go check it out. I'm it's like, not no one real. would say it's that. It's not real, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's this whole thing, like, no, it's not real. Yes, it is. Someone's boyfriend's there, blah, blah, blah. So they go to this house party and, you know, typical house party, you've got people being very mean to say, talking rubbish. And, <laughs> They, they, <laughs> it is, I, I, my me. pet peeve with I don't think this film does it badly but yeah. my, my I think that really kind of gets my hair on edge is yeah. when you have like a team party because it's very easy to do I think it's very very hard to do that well and make yeah. it believable yeah, yeah. there's some sort Dialogue of that sort well. of pulls it off but usually you have the tropes come in you're like huh, what are you doing hey man yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was a lot easier before I was a teen I was like I've never been to one of these yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know what would happen and then you go to one you're like oh so um they turn up, they take Riley, her, um, her, young, um, her friend's younger brother with them as well, which is great because it's like a bit like an hereditary when you take a younger person mm. to a team party, kind of plays in that anxiety. Sorts, yeah. And very soon they come to the premise of the film, which is this, these friends have a hand, an enamel, not enamel, sorry, it's a, it's a kind of um, ceramic mm. hand that looks like it's um, open and, and outstretched for someone to engage with it um, that sort of stops at the sort of forearm and they place it on the table and it's sort of got lots of bits of writing on it. Yeah, and it's sort of this freaky, scarred up and used. Yeah, a freaky looking thing. And one of the friends explains like, yeah, what we're going to do is, you know, you light a candle to let it in, you blow a candle to let it out. And yeah, we're going to sit around and you sit down and you put the hand in your hand and you say, you know, talk to me. And no one seems to question, actually, now I'm thinking about it. No one seems to question the connection with the spirit world that this hand immediately gives them. Yeah. But um, well, there's, there's one point where they're like, how do you think it came from? Like, oh, I heard it's like the... Yes, yeah, it's the, 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 the origin the story of a, of a prophet or yeah. whatever, yeah. And, um, but very, you put out your hand and say, talk to me, and you're immediately connected with the spirit world. And then you say, let me in, which lets the spirit from the other world into your body. And it feels, for those who do it, very much like a thrill, like a high. Mm. And, and the first thing to say is that this film plays on, in, in much the same way that it follows, has a parallel with sexually transmitted diseases and the anxiety around that mm-hmm. this film very much to, i think to a lesser success but is and to a kind of less less precision but is, is about a parallel to taking drugs getting higher mm. parties and the consequences of that and this whole idea like you have not you have to do yes, it you have to it do it in 90, 90 seconds, seconds. So you have 90 seconds and then you blow the candle out and of course they love it they enjoy it like kids do it's dangerous but they get a kick out of it and they do it more and more and more but let's just say obviously certain things don't go to plan that is the film 
talk to me. Mm. It's a horror film. Now, James, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. We talked about horror yeah. um, throughout the year, you know, bits and pieces. We loved Barbarian last year. Saw Scream 6 earlier this year, Evil Dead Rise. James, talk to me. What do you think? I liked it. I enjoyed it. I think there are certain elements of it that are quite clean and simple. I enjoyed in a small horror film it not trying to, even though we just criticized it for being like, wait, how do the rules work? I but know, I actually yeah. didn't, I'm glad it didn't try to give me an origin and yes. over explain how this hand came to be. It works to have this element mm. of a connection to the de- to, to the other side. Yeah. It's ominous. They probably shouldn't be messing with it, but they are. Yeah. That for me works. I thought the hand was very creepy. I mm. think there were some really good scares the first time mm. you're introduced to the rules of, mm. of the hand. There are a lot of plot points I saw coming from a mile away. I yeah. think that it, like, on paper, the idea you've described, apart from like, the idea of a literal hand, it's things that I think we've seen before and it's very familiar. Mm. But all in all, I enjoyed it. I think there are very good scares in there. And I think it was solid. When you say about the, the hand, you've seen it before, though, what do you, because I actually- oh, Sorry, like the idea of, the idea of like uh, well, here's a, a girl to- who a totemic has object. A totemic you- object that, you know, you're into, like a Ouija board, right? right. It's of a course. modern Ouija board. So yes. there is a character who has some sort of uh, longing connection from someone who has passed. Yes. And as they Babadook. start into Babadook. And funnily enough, these guys, you know, these guys worked on the Babadook. Oh, did they? Yeah, it's quite, it was quite a nice story to see that, you know, they, they started as YouTubers putting shorts, like horror, like, not even horror shorts, just short films. And then they worked as like camera lighting technicians on other much bigger films mm. and have now been given this, oh, this opportunity which I think was cool, and they worked on the Babadook, so that DNA is there. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so like, uh, uh, more ideas we've seen before, yeah. but I feel like it didn't try and overstretch itself too much. I also thought the hand was very reminiscent of like the, the monkey paw from the Twilight Zone, you know, the wishes. Uh, yeah, sure. Things. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, I actually think the, uh, I, I kind of agree with you. I think it's, I think it's solid, I think it's yeah. fine, I think it's pretty good, actually, and actually compared to a lot of other horror films, what the best thing about this film is, is how it does not feel derivative. I, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I know you've seen other things, but I think it doesn't sound, it doesn't feel derivative. Yeah. doesn't feel unoriginal. It actually feels quite fresh and clean. And as you say, and precise, it's simple, but it's quite effective. It scares didn't feel cheap to me either. I feel like even, yeah. it's, even yeah. it's jumpiest moments, I was like, yeah, but I kind of, I kind of feel like you earned yeah. that. And it also different kinds of scares. You've got um, very sort of creepy imagery that works you have got obviously the typical quiet, quiet bang that every horror, horror film delivers, mm. but it doesn't just rely on that. And then when it wants to get nasty, it mm. gets nasty. And they um, they do this thing with the sound mixing, which is good. They turn up this, whenever a contact is made. Mm. I don't mean contact with the spirit, but like physical contact with something else. They have clearly amplified the sound. So The surround. Yes. Did you, oh, that was really but, cool. But my point is when when... When shit kicks off, yeah. it really kicks off, and, yeah. it's, and it's very effective. And I was really wincing in my seat. And I was yeah. like, oh, God, that's so that, there was a couple. There were a couple of moments which I've never really, even in a cinema, body heard. horror. There's really squelchy body, body horror. horror yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are moments in the cinema which I know, I know this surround sound going, but I'm usually not that aware of it. Mm. There were two moments where something was set like to the back left of me, mm. and I genuinely, for a second, thought like mm. someone was doing something, uh. and I was like. I sort of half turned my head. And I was like, "Oh no, no, this yeah. is in the film." And it, it, I was like, "That's really, really cool that they've yeah. done that." I, uh, I, I. There was also one line in it that I found very chilling, which I'm not going to say mm. because it's a spoiler. But I was like, "Oh, I like the fact that only just a line, just by saying a line in it, maybe, maybe." Kind of creeped yeah. out. So effective in that in that way. Um, I will say that, like you know. Um, I think superficially people could say oh, it's a little bit like Flatliners, which came out like 30 years ago. I mean, they made a, they actually made a remake of Flatliners, like right. Rabbi Ezo with Elliot Page, James Norton. You probably just don't even no. yeah, came and went. Um, and uh, I actually think there's there's one shot in this which I was like, that's Event Horizon. I don't know if you have you ever seen no, Event Horizon. There's what people will know if they've seen Event Horizon, and they see this film. There's one bit they go, well, that's very Event Horizon. It yeah. works in this film. Yeah. Um, not that these two films are similar at all. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought it was effective, clean, precise, um, gooey enough, creepy mm. enough, different enough. I liked the end. I won't spoil it, but I did enjoy the way the ending was quite simple. And yes. I was like, yeah, I was, I, I've, I've credits rolled and I was like, nice. And also, you, enough, you give me enough to, to finish that. Also, enough that when we came out, me and my friends were going, oh, I thought this. They're like, no, no, don't you understand what's happened there? Yeah. Like, this has happened. And I was like, oh, I see. There's also a good, uh, just like, in terms of, I think if you've got a horror film, especially one that's on a budget, the less you have to sort of over-illustrate, the better yes. and the more you can yeah. allude to. There's one moment sort of in sort of deep second half where it alludes to a much greater plane of where someone might yeah, be. Yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. Is that's, that the that's, shot? That's, that's the event horizon. Oh, bit. great, yeah. yeah. I saw that and it was only for a moment and I was like, 
Yeah, and that's that what it needs to be. That yeah. was that was a re- that stuck in my mind. Yeah, that was my yeah. favorite shot of the whole film. Yeah. Just like the, the idea of what could be happening. Yeah. I thought that was really, really um, good. I think that um, I think th- again, but that's what I liked about it. Considering like the last horror film I saw was Evil Dead Rise, and my my main problem with that was mm. it was so generic and so derivative, and like this is such a refreshing thing. Mm. Also, it's a new horror film that isn't trying to be an Ari Aster film. Yes, It's yeah. not trying to be Hereditary Mark III or whatever. Mm. Um, so I thought it was really great. Also, sorry, yeah. what, what sometimes helps these horror films is that you see all the horror trailers beforehand. Yeah, it really so warms I, you up. I saw the trailer for The Nun 2, yeah. the Exorcist sequel, which... Was that the one we talked about ages ago that they were... Yeah, they were doing. And I saw the trailer and I went... No. Did they miss... I mean, look, it's 50 years since the original, but I saw the trailer, which is full of CGI, yeah. your girls running around, and I was like... Did they learn nothing? From I was like, what is the that film? the one that they've wanted? I was like, is that the film I talked about like a year and a half ago on yeah. the podcast that I thought may have been, it might have been interesting? Nope. No, no way. But anyway, so you have those sort of very generic, quiet, quiet bang yeah. trailers. And then you watch, and you also the bloody trailer for um, The Haunting in Venice, the, yeah. the horror <laughs> film that's actually a Hercule Poirot film. <laughs> nice little sneaky marketing there. So when the actual- Today, by the way, in office, they show that before oh, Oppenheimer. Yeah. Like people are watching this horror film and then they see Kenneth Branagh and people laugh. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. they find it funny because he's a talking in a funny voice. Anyway. Um, Anyway, but then so when the film actually begins, talk to me. It's like, oh, this is actually nicely uh, mm. effective and done. So there you go. That's what I, talk to me. What no, I will say my, about my, that's right. That's, what I will say about that sort of prelude of trailers for horror and comparing it to the comedy landscape in cinema is that despite you know COVID and mm. as we talked about our nausea and the consolidation of superhero films, the lack of diversity in films, I feel like horror's always kind of had a spot in the cinema yeah. for a long time. Yes, you've seen franchise it's like mm. the insidious conjuring nunverse but they've always been able to get in the cinema whereas comedies that's true don't feel like they happen different people find different things funny people find that usually find the same thing scary yeah it's not i was talking about quality i know it's like a variation yeah, of quality which you can say for superhero yeah. films too right but if you look the whole history of cinema horror always horror is always very consistent yeah has a consistent presence in cinema nosferatu yeah right and then Exorcist. There's always been horror films to see. But that's because you can make them actually quite cheaply and still deliver scares. I mean, how many careers have started with a low budget horror film like this one Mm. and then are given greater access up up along the line? Um, Someone emailed in, by the way, a couple weeks ago and was like, Oh, have you guys seen Barbarian? I wanted to let you know. This film came out last year. I was like, like, You must be a new listener. (laughs) We we talked about it extensively. We very much liked it. One of our highlights of last year. Yeah. Barbarian, you can see it online. Anyway, that was Talk To Me. Let us know if you've seen it. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And email in to hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. Guys, it's really important to have a great skincare routine. Whether you want to make a great first impression or just feel better about your skin, Caldera Lab is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. The regimen is a twice a day formula to help transform your skin. It's really easy and only takes 30 seconds. This includes the clean slate to start and end your day, leaving your skin feeling refreshed. Then there's the base layer to moisturize and hydrate your skin. Then you have the good, which is the go-to at night face serum to help reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. And if you wanted to take it a step further, you have the Icon, which is an eye serum which helps reduce fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Use our exclusive code PULP20, that's P-U-L-P-2-0, to enjoy 20% off Caldera's best products. You can find the link in our description. James, Joyride is also out, Mm -hmm. which has got big, big things on the poster saying that it's the new Crazy Rich Asians. Mm -hmm. Look at this. I see Ashley Parker's in it from Emily in Paris. So, Joyride. Joyride. Is someone called Joy in it? Is that the joke? No. Thank God it's better no. than that. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm not loud in a writer's room. Um, directed by, wait, is it? Joy's Ride. I need to check now. I was, like, I, I was like, I bet somebody's called Joy in this movie. No, no like, one's called Joy, but you made go. me doubt for a split second. Um, Joy Ride is directed by Adele Lim, who wrote Crazy Rich Asians. Got it. Um, it's a feature debut and it's produced by uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, a po- Point Grey production, so it's sort of of their ilk. Um, and it's written by, and I apologise if I don't get this name right, Cherry Chevpravat Dumrong, which is a name credit I recognise from Family Guy because mm. it's such a long name. I'm mm. like, oh, that person used to write on Family Guy. Uh, yeah, it stars Ashley Park, Sherry Kohler, Stephanie Hsu, Stephanie Hsu. I think it is Hsu. Is it Hsu? From, sta- um, from everything, everywhere, all at once. And Sabrina Wu. Um, it is a raunchy road trip comedy. So Audrey is one of the main characters. She is an Asian adoptee with white parents living in White Hills, Seattle. And there's this moment where 
her parents are at a playground and she sees this other Asian, they, they, sorry, her parents, they see this other Asian family with, a, with, a, with an Asian daughter and they awkwardly walk up to them and go, hi, um, can our child can play with, child with can our Asian child? child? I think it'd be cute if our Asian yeah. children uh, were friends. Yeah. And um, there's sort of this awkward setup. But of course, like when you're four or five years old, if someone just puts you next to someone, you immediately become best friends. Mm. And this is where she meets Lola. And uh, Audrey becomes this massive overachiever. And there's this scene in the beginning where she's delivering to her class and they're talking about their family roots and where they grew up. And all of the people on her family are, are not her real family, they're her adoptee family and they're all white. And a kid in the class goes, why are your family look different? And she goes, oh, cause I'm an adoptee. And he's like, that's stupid. And then her best friend Lola immediately comes to her defense and is like, oh my God, don't worry. Like, it's okay. I hope you don't feel this need to like overcompensate and become a massive overachiever. And she's like, not at all. Cut to like yeah. the next 10 years, like top, honest student, champion yeah. of the mess, but goes on to become a very successful lawyer at a very prestigious law firm, whereas Joy, not so much, becomes much more of a... She ends, she creates very um, sex-positive art mm. with lots of, like, phalluses and genitalia. Because it. it never really kind of found her thing. And uh, Audrey works at a very prestigious law firm, and it's a very white, male-dominant workforce, and she's been given the offer of being able to make a partner if she can close a deal with a Chinese businessman. And there's this sort of assumption that like, well, you know, you're kind of, you're Chinese, mm. so surely you'll be able to get in with that and make it all work. And if you can pull it off, we're gonna send you to China and you can sort of close this deal. Um, and sort of being of Chinese descent, it's assumed that she'd be great at that. But there is sort of, she has this awkward identity crisis where she's at odds with how much of her Chinese identity means to her versus her friend Lola, who has Chinese parents mm. who like, you know, is very confident, speaks Mandarin, knows all the different references and that kind of thing, and has much more of a sort of centered identity. Mm. And that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. So in order to make this trip a success, Audrey brings Lola with her on this business trip to help her speak the language, help her connect. Um, also joined by uh, Lola's cousin, Vanessa, who's nicknamed Deadeye who is very socially awkward, but is addicted to K-pop, okay? Right. Uh, I'm nearly done with the plot synopsis. Um, <laughs> so in China, Audrey uh, is needing to impress this Chinese businessman who, in order to know if she's going to be a good business venture, needs to know more about Audrey's birth family. So Audrey decides to track down her birth mother to find out who she really is, right? right? So in this process of you know, I need to get this guy to realize that I'm properly Chinese. She needs to discover who she is. Road trip, okay? First thing I noticed is that the influence, the skeleton, the stencil of The Hangover and Bridesmaids and Superbad. Um, Superbad. Superbad is very, very much present. Yeah. And it, I this think both- is a studio comedy. Yeah. Very much so. And, and the plot structure and the literal char character dynamics at play mm are sometimes like directly ripped from that. Mm. So you know in Bridesmaids, she's her friend from like life, but yeah. she's got this new friend yes. from college yeah. who, who I, you, they also meet, he's like an out famous film star and they have all of these reference, mm. that dynamic's there. Mm. You know the Melissa McCarthy character in Bridesmaids and the Zach Galifianakis character. Oh, yeah, there's always the, the funny weird one. The unhinged funny weird one who says the crazy stuff, who gets in the crazy situations, yeah. that's What there. shenanigans. Yeah, the first thing I would say is that um, I really enjoy the characters and I think the strength of the film really lies in its cast. I think they're, they're very heartwarming and there's a lot of warmth to their friendship and I believe leave their friendship and I think this focus on discovering Asian comedy as a frame for their identity discovery but also as a tool for comedy is funny and I think that sense it works as a comedy I did find it very hit and miss like some of the most hit and miss I found where oh, right. it's like there were three or four times really shock like shock comedy jokes that come from nowhere and they really do surprise me and get me and then a lot of it um just, I just, I, I wrote in my notes, it sounds like watching a new stand-up comedian try something new. Uh, so uh, like a joke will be said and I go, ooh, yeah. oh, he really let in for that. Yeah. And that just didn't, didn't quite land for me, which is a shame. And I think it struggles to find its voice. It's wearing these very ill-fitted suits of mm. this very, what would be described as a previously very male-dominated comedic sphere and mm. style. I know I mentioned Bridesmaids, but if yeah. I'm talking about Superbad and yeah. The Hangover, um, where it's very crass, very over-sexualized, mm. like 
penis shock factor comedy yeah. where it's like, okay. Oh my God, look at the genitals. Yeah, and it's like, okay, Superbad and The Hangover, oh, or The Inbetweeners, oh, yeah. and like, and American Pie even. Mm. Oh God. It's like, we're they, going that far back. It, it's on, the raunchiness is kind of there. And I'm like, yes, but they were teenagers. Mm. Whereas these are like, are like, do grown people do you think, talk this way that much? May I counter yeah, please. something? I just think, do, don't you think though that we do sometimes have a lack of, sex comedies that sometimes films aren't af- are yes you mentioned all those films but mm. i actually think like they've kind of died off in the decades since yeah and we've had a lack of like joking about sex and being open and talking about yeah. se- a sex positive comedy yeah yeah that absolutely i think i, I just it felt but like still the jokes don't land trying to fit into like a very because i'm conscious that this is a, a female fronted comedy mm. which doesn't happen that much mm. and i'm like oh like this is really cool and really fun and i like sort of the, the spin they've done on it but it just feels like you're trying to push this square peg mm. into the round very male hole mm. that's like horrible oh, analogy <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry oh dear <laughs> um, and then the pacing of the jokes is really quick really fast reminding me of like a sort of like family mm. guy yes like how quick they come and some of them don't work because I don't feel like they were given time to breathe and oh, a couple but, of them are, I'm oh, sorry, sorry go on. No, I'm sorry to interrupt you I was just going to say but, yeah. well actually it's, I mean again I haven't seen this film yeah. but I was going to say sometimes what I, the problem I have with studio comedies mm. is that they leave too, too much long. space to, they, they go how's that fun eh? and then they leave the joke space and they go yeah sure and I'm like that's oh I realise that's because they're leaving space for the audience to laugh but sometimes mm. I like it if it's so quick but I mean like we go on real plot detours for a oh, joke oh wow and i stop and i look around and like we'd be, i watched it with talia and we're both like hang on like where are we oh right and yeah. what's going on like was this still from that bit earlier oh I see. and i was like oh they've lost me i'm not i'm Got not it. getting it and then it kind of no no not at all. And it kind of links back and it starts to feel a little bit surreal I'm like oh like so much of what i have to see is pinch of salt um so look it's it's a balance between really sweet Great performances, heartfelt sense of identity, which I think is what makes it unique, with very sexualized joke jokes for for real shock I hope value. More than one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's like the ones that come, like they're good, and I was like, oh, that's funny, but same thing you've done three, four times. So look, well, I don't think it comes together as the most smooth, slick modern comedy that's going to save it all and go, oh my god, like make more. It's definitely fun. It's very lighthearted. I think. It's got very good performances. I think there's a few gags that will really get you. There you go. That's Joyride. If you've seen Joyride and like to write in your opinion, write to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, so as mentioned at the top of the show, we have had a lot of correspondence. We get a lot of correspondence every week and we always try and get to it, but we've had a lot of correspondence naturally about Barbenheimer, prompted by people going to see it over the weekend and also listening to our episode and all the mm. feedback. So we're going to have a, try and get through as many Barbenheimer emails now whilst mm. it's still fresh in everyone's mind. Thank you so much for sending them in. It's really Thank great you so much so for sending them in. This first one is from Josephine who says, Hello, Ken and Ken. Ah. I'm assuming your inbox is flooded with Barbenheimer reviews, mm-hmm. so I'm sorry to add to the pile, but I just had to write in because I just had the best cinema experience of my life. Nice. I saw an early screening of Barbie tonight. This was sent a while back. Um... And I absolutely adored it. I found it so relatable, nostalgic, funny, cathartic, and moving. I truly loved it so, so much and will remember the experience forever. That's amazing. That's great. That's great. That's a, yeah, that's huge. what everyone was. <laughs> yeah. It shocked me to realize that this was the first time I'd ever seen such a huge blockbuster that was almost completely targeted at women, a movie truly made for women, mm. for italicized, and I think even in a different font. I didn't even realize that this was something I had been missing until I had experienced it. Seeing every single woman in the fully packed cinema dressed up in pink and laughing, cheering and clapping along honestly made me a bit emotional. Mm. It also felt like such a luxury to laugh and uh, laugh at jokes so completely aimed at women, even when they risked excluding a male audience. I find that the comedy in movies are often either aimed at men or at either aimed at men or men and women but rarely just at women it's like you full stop I wouldn't, I would go, I wouldn't go I would just, I would go, just, go, just comedy. say comedies um, I feel like films in general I have to admit it was at times a bit messy and maybe a few too many things were going on at once but it really didn't bother me however something did bother but just before we go to the however actually, I will just say that is the fact that I mean a lot of people have been saying this they feel so seen yeah. they feel so um, you know, um, validated and vindicated that it film, highlights the void in, in I know. films made for a female audience and it's the dumb it is it's a shame that like you have to, we have to wait for the slow moving cogs of the machine of the minds of male dominated executives yeah. to go oh wait you're telling me if we made a movie for women that was directed by a woman written by a woman and led by women 
they'd like it. Yeah. And, it, a, and it'd be a box office smash. I remember my- uh, Which is what the kind of, sorry, that's the kind of character they're sending up as well with the Will Ferrell character. Yeah, and, yeah. And Mattel as well, sorry. I will say also just, I can see the seeds of this in Greta Gerwig's previous two films, in Little Women and in Greta Gerwig. Mm. Great, strong feminist films targeted at women. About with women. Great film, about women with female lead characters that doesn't alienate the male audience, yeah. but it's, it's actually about- And you, you can know, see the numbers. Like you, people want to go see yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just great. Anyway, yeah. I have to admit it was, it was a bit messy, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And um, however, something did bother me. It was that it, was, it all felt a bit like it had too many endings. This is something I've noticed more and more recently. For example, with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. Wait, that had too many endings. That, had too, that, didn't, have an, that didn't have an ending. <laughs> it just stopped. Uh, and everything everywhere all at once. They all have this huge emotional climactic scene that seems very much like an ending, only for similar scenes that happen for another three or four times. See also Return of the King. I struggle <laughs> explaining it, but I hope you understand what I mean. In conclusion, not a perfect movie, but a perfect movie for me. Nice. I like that. Hopefully Oppenheimer is as good. Excuse the rambly email. I'm too excited. Hugs from Josephine, sent from my 2004 plastic Barbie flip phone toy. Love it. Very good. You know, at the end of Return of the King, from the moment the ring is destroyed, I think there's 35 to 40 minutes oh left of film, which is just... Endings. Tie, and there are, there are five endings you can count. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, this next one is from Emily, who, if you remember the email that came in as we were wrapping up yes. last week, this was that email. Emily, who I appreciate has written her email with a different font. And I want to say it's uh, Avenir, which is a font I really enjoy. Absolutely. It says, hi, James and George. Emily, I, also, I believe, friend of the show. Friend of the show, Emily. We, we rec- Emily, we, I think this is, might be the first time you've emailed in, and you may indeed just say that, but we recognize you on Instagram, yes. always giving us always good giving like love. and support and, uh, and a you share. Get, you get bumped. If you give us love on the socials, you get bumped. Yeah, to the so top. We, we, we can see who's liked it on the story. Yeah. So we see you, we recognize you. At anyway. Pulp Kitchen Podcast. Hi, James and George. I hope you're well and managing to keep sane amongst the barrage of new releases to cover on the podcast. I saw in your Instagram stories, you wanted the, listener, uh, wanted the listeners' opinions on Barbie and Oppenheimer, and I thought I would add my two cents. I watched Barbie first and believe this to be the correct order for myself, as mm. I do not think I would have the brain capacity to watch another film after a three-hour Christopher Nolan epic, Mm. brackets plus, I ended up preferring Oppenheimer anyway. As a huge Greta Gerwig fan and raging feminist, I was the perfect demographic for this film and for the most part, I had a good time. The set design of Barbie Land was an enormous achievement and the costume design was genius. Everything was considered down to the smallest detail. I saw an interview with Greta where she explained that she used dancers instead of background actors as they have better posture and carry themselves in a more doll-like way. Oh, brilliant. However, italicized, bold. When mm. the film finished, I felt a little underwhelmed by the writing, which pains me as I usually think Greta is a genius in that mm. department. I thought the writing was heavy-handed and lacked the subtlety of the female experience that Gerwig usually masters. I appreciate that it is a film marketed at the masses and is literally about dolls, but I felt there was elements of the story glazed over with montages such as the loss of girlhood and reconnecting with your inner child. I feel like a lot of the discussion on patriarchy was spelled out in clunky monologues and overt behavior like catcalling and verbal abuse, but it's much more complicated than that and the film was heavy in exposition rather than showing the female experience in the real world. That being said, I had fun and I thought Ryan Gosling and Michael Cera were fantastic at adding the comedian, mm. uh, the comedic levity and no other actors could have played those roles. I love how the Kens also had an arc of realizing the patriarchy, the patriarchy was negative for men also. Mm. That's also a really important That's arc. That's a very important, the criticism, very important part like, of it, yeah. registers. Uh, the comedy made me howl as someone who dates men found that you haven't seen Goodfellas and the let me play the guitar at you scenes mm. very relatable. Aptly, Ken stole the show and I cannot even be mad because Gosling was so damn great. So, Oppenheimer. George, before, Barbie, any thoughts on those comments? So um, I thought were very well written, Emily. I'll say just on your comments of um, sort of may- maybe the writing feeling like it let you down towards the end. I don't know if it's necessarily the writing, but there's certain elements about the film tying itself up, which I think yeah. where people maybe have problems with it. I would say that uh, people talk about the writing and how it becomes a little less, su- yeah, much less subtle towards the end about its message, particularly yeah. like America Ferreira's speech and it's yeah. kind of point. And I do, I, I, I think that's a fair criticism. I guess it, it can, if it's too explicit, it can kind of bring people out and it's too obvious. However, what I see in that, and I'm quite sympathetic to, is considering the conversation we just had about films made for women by women, is that I see in that moment Greta Gerwig being like, if I don't do this now, I don't, you know, this is the best opportunity to the mm. ma- most amount of people I'm ever going to have. Yeah. So I've got to spell this out. If I have to spell this out in black and white and be as crystal clear as possible, yeah. I better do it because this is my moment. Shoot your shot, Greta. Mm. It's like... 
you know, it's like, do you remember uh, at the Elton John Glastonbury set when yeah. he invited the young guy who, from TikTok, that Steven Sanchez yeah, yeah, on the yeah. stage? And like, he really enjoyed the moment. And I remember <laughs> yeah. thinking, watching it, I was like, you know what? You, you, you've realized that you'll never get a crowd this yeah. big. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. you won't get it, but you'll never get Elton John at Glastonbury crowd, yeah. right? So you enjoy it. And I think Greta Gerwig is like, when am I ever going to have a mouthpiece this big yeah. to target this audience? I'm going to do a speech on the patriarchy and you're all going to sit there, your captive audience, and you're mm. going to listen. So fair enough. And hopefully it'll trickle through. Some people will reject it and go, it's too obvious, but some people will be there and it'll sink in. And I think that's the overall aim. Next on, she was on to Oppenheimer. So, actually, doctor, oh, sorry, sorry, just please. another thought just went through my head. Can you imagine a film that's a crossover between Barbie and Alex Garland's Men, where it's a village <laughs> full of Kens, and it's just called Ken. <laughs> Ken. Like, Ken. 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 And they all look like Ken. And instead of being like, they're just different. There's one like, Barbie in town. Yeah. <laughs> beach Ken. It'd be like a creepy beach resort. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Oppenheimer. That has to be made. I yeah. really want that. Uh, so, Oppenheimer. I feel like I enjoyed this mo- this more. Please fiddle with the microphone more. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I feel like it's my comfort movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like I enjoyed this more and therefore have less to say. Brackets, sorry, this is such a rambling email. Not at all. Uh, Oppenheimer is a showcase in acting. Usually, Nolan's films are all about the effects and the wow factor stunts, which Oppenheimer still achieved, but is less of a spectacle than Nolan's other films. For Nolan, this is relatively stripped back and is a pure, compelling character analysis, and every actor was mesmerizing. In the middle, it lost a little bit of momentum for me, but the third act, with the tense interviews and the double-crossing twist was undeniably engaging. I think the casting of this film was masterful, and even though there were big notable names, I was lost in the story and did not find it distracting, as it can be with some ensembles. I also just love the passion from the actors whilst doing press for Oppenheimer, Mm. and how appreciative they are to be a part of the project. One teeny note would be, with lots of E's in the teeny, I think the score was not his strongest, but he has set his bar very high. Thank you for reading my waffle that I'm completely unqualified to share. Pop Kitchen is my favourite podcast, brackets OG single-digit list Wow. And I recommend it to everyone. I cannot wait until it inevitably reaches number one in the film charts. Emily brackets not sent from my iPhone. Thank you very much for that email, Emily. We really appreciate it. It goes again, like we said at the end of last week's episode, everyone feels differently about which part of Oppenheimer they prefer. Some people don't like the third act. Some people really love the third act. Some people, the second act is the best bit. Some people not. Some people find it hard to get into. Some people were straight into it. So interesting. So last week after our main chat and our spoiler chat, like some some really positive feelings, some things that we said that were sort of definitely lacking about the film, but an overriding feeling that we both would want to see it again. And yes. it's, it was such a dense, thick script and the very nature by which it reveals what's really going on in the story to the end mm. really lends itself to a second viewing. Yeah. I rewatched it today. Wow. IMAX. IMAX. And uh, by the way, full screening, Monday midday screening. I know it's the summer, but like there's no sense that, uh, you know, even a week later people aren't aren't going to see it. So I got a much, I had a much better experience, a much cleaner, clearer experience. Mm. I have a much better sense of understanding my, my, both of our original thoughts about the film. Mm. It actually acted as a real consolidation of, I enjoyed more of what I really liked in the first place. And I think I can see clearly why people have problems with it and why people are struggling with different parts of it. So like overall, watching it again, so much easier to, now I'm armed with the tools Mm. to understand, especially the first hour of the film. Mm. I'm realizing there are interactions with Strauss in the beginning, which when you watch it for the first time, you see it, you listen to it, but you can't understand it. Mm. And I'm very aware that like, I only understand that because I saw the film a few days ago. Oh, yeah. And I, na- na- all of that now makes sense to me. And, you know, just uh, incredible performances, we said. What I just l- didn't really make a comment of, what I re- re- really realised this time watching it, is that this film is such a love letter to science mm. and that period of science and how much it acts as this, like, celebration of what it can achieve, mm. this incredible warning about, like, what we're allowing people to do, mm. how much science and politics are, like, horribly entwined Mm. and how like the frontier of uh, research is informed by the politics and the scientific discoveries are shaping ideology Mm. and I just thought that was such an interesting thing that these things back and forth and they affect Mm. and um, this really great line where uh, Rabi says um he, he decides not to be a part of the, of the Manhattan Project. And he says, I really don't want the culmination of three centuries of physics to be a weapon of mass destruction. Mm, yeah. And just, just again, like littered with loads of really great moments of history. What I realized when watching it is that it's two stories. Mm. I, it really is two stories. So this, this story of 
developing the bomb, trying to get it done in time, mm. is one story. And the Strauss thing, although alluded to in the beginning, it's it's jarring because it's a separate story. Yeah. And you get two and a half hours into the film and it it ramps up to the Strauss stuff without a break. And I'm like, okay, this is the thing you mentioned two and a half hours ago, pre-bomb, yeah. in black and white. <laughs> and even knowing that I was, I was ready for it and there's so much more I picked up, I'm like, yeah, this is still hard to, mm. to latch onto because it's such a different thread. What, what the, the, the reaction to the bomb and whether or not the character study of whether or not Oppenheimer is a moral person who should have security clearance is different to like testing the bomb mm. and getting it done in time. And I think that's what makes it really jarring. Mm. The scenes with Gene Tatlock and the presentation of women and Emily Blunt's character, uh, you know, it's uh, the more I realized the dialogue between Gene Tatlock and Oppenheimer is weak because it's no, I don't think it's meant to be, I don't think this is okay, but it's not meant to be realistic. It's meant to infer a feeling mm. of a moment in time. Because it's from his point of view. It's his point of view. It, so that, that's which is why, slightly problematic again, right? Again, and that's why, that's why Gene Tatlock's dialogue, Florence Pugh's character, feels kind of weird and off. Mm. I think Emily Blunt, I, I, again, I just feel more, I really think Emily Blunt is robbed for the, most of the film. Yes, I thought that. And there's, there's, uh, there's a scene which I forgot about, not the one where she's drunk and the baby's crying. There's one later in the in the third act of the movie where they're talking about what Strauss is doing mm. and Emily Blunt just randomly in a hotel room where they're discussing it with his lawyer grabs a drink and smashes it on the wall. Mm. This, this is intercut between so many things. Like, it's Strauss, like, you've got to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that moment is not built up to mm. and it's not earned. So you see it yeah, and you're like, earned, huh, yeah. what she's doing? But annoyingly, Emily Blunt is one of my favourite moments later in the film when Jason Clark, the lawyer, yes, yes. sees a weakness. He sees the alcohol in her bag. He sees her shaking her hands. He sees mm. someone who might minus be... Spoilers. Minus spoilers. He might be intellectually unable to, to yeah. hold up to a cross-examination. But she comes through in the most amazing way mm. and like the intensity of which she delivers that line is so great mm. so i'm not going to say emily blunt isn't very talented no I think no she's, no, she's great some... I, w- I just wish she was given more absolutely um i really liked the way romy malik's character comes through in the end and there's all these little interactions yeah. and, and he just and ends now up being also I'm not, i have reflected on it more i see the choice of actors is not just to sell your film it's yeah. it's, it's nolan leaving breadcrumbs being like look Absolutely. I understand that you're going to have to remember this guy an yeah. hour and a half from now. Yes. Wouldn't it be better if I used an Oscar-winning actor so when, <laughs> yeah. when he turns up an hour and a half later, you go, <laughs> that oh, guy, Mullen. Yeah. Loads yeah. <laughs> of little interactions. And, and I think, look, like I'm really sure it's two stories that he's tried to put into one film. Yes. And it, it does feel a bit like binging a miniseries. If there's any weak point, it's that. It's the, the coalesce, the, the, uh, how those things coalesce. Yeah. And, and it's like it's like realizing all the details and and getting to, getting the chance to view it a second time. I'm I'm again so impressed with the script at how much it manages to cover. And I'm like, wow, what an amazing period of history. But I think like a lot of Nolan's films, it works, but not necessarily in real time when you watch it. Mm. It's like I believe it all matches up, and I believe the editing is so precise, mm. and you've perfectly interwoven the stories. It doesn't mean that even on a second viewing, when the Strauss stuff really kicks into gear. I'm, I'm, I'm just about remembering mm. after this nuclear bomb, like that thing from two hours ago. Mm, I'm like, yeah. yes, that. I know the names now and I know like yeah. who, who I better understand them because I know the end and how it links and it's great. Mm. It doesn't mean it works in real time. Right. That, that, it has to be said, it's a little bit of a flaw of his films, but incredible watch. Really, okay. really I've, I, I, again. You, know, you started on me and I'm really looking forward to rewatching. Yeah, and I think you know, a lot of people probably, I hope you get the chance to watch it at home in, in three, four months or if you get the chance to go see it in the cinema, do I promise you there is stuff that you didn't pick up on or that just floated you by and like most Nolan films you'll you'll be armed with more to to watch it through when you go for a second time but that was my rewatch thoughts on Oppenheimer guys we've talked about Oppenheimer quite a bit there and and Barbie we have a few more emails to read. We really appreciate everyone sending them in. What we're going to do, we're going to allocate a different time to read those out in yep. earnest. We don't want to rush through them. We want to give everyone's proper email its, its purpose, but we're conscious of time and we just want to read out a couple of other things as well on other topics. So moving on, James, what do we have an email about? This next one is from Adam who says, Hey, James and George, I Hello. hope you're both well. I'm a new listener, but I must admit my love for the podcast is I often find myself at least dipping in for the reviews if I don't have time for the full episode. That's fine. You create a wonderfully relaxed and cozy vibe each episode. That's Great okay, stuff. Man. Adam. Thank you and welcome. 
Yeah, welcome to the new welcome listeners. In. Hey, how you doing? I first found Pop Kitchen thanks to my friend Alfie. We had to produce a pilot a pilot podcast episode for our journalism course, and we're both big film fanatics like yourselves, so you used your podcast in our planning. We got a first for the project, so I oh. thought I'd let you know so we could share the win. When we're did being you... ripped off! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I love that. Uh, when did That's you guys know you yeah. wanted to commit to a film podcast? I'd love to host one, but I think I just need to jump into it and stop overthinking. I have a radio show called Pop Culture at University, and that's great fun, but would like to branch out to something long form and more permanent. I believe in episode 50 we talked about the origins of this podcast. We did some origin bit, stuff. So you can go and see I'd say that. the fact that you're already doing a radio show puts you miles ahead yeah. of anyone else and just do it. Just start. Even if you have to make just keep 30 going. really bad episodes of a podcast, if you just keep going, that will be really good. That's really cool. Keep going. Uh, I want to give my thoughts on the brilliant Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning yes. Part 1 in the course of a week, I caught up on the franchise. I'd not seen any of them before and have become a huge, in all caps, fan. I hum the tune nearly every 10 minutes. It's an issue. I, on my way home from Dead Reckoning, I was like, I found Dead Reckoning to be thoroughly satisfying, mm. totally entertaining and epic in scale. Tom Cruise is a powerhouse that I'd been overlooking before Top Gun Maverick. I like my James Bond movies, but there's something about Mission Impossible that I really vibe with. Mm. Maybe it's the tech or the episodic nature of each out- outing, having uh, your mission, should you choose to accept it, moment. Mm. Given that the original Mission Impossible TV show, haven't seen it, mind, was conceived during Connery's tenure as Bond, I wanted to ask you guys, which knockoff movies slash franchises do you think rival the best or originals? Keep up the fantastic work, Adam. Before we go into that, George, your thoughts on Mission Impossible Dead yeah, Reckoning I, d- I don't even know how to answer that question. Yeah. I, just, I think it's <laughs> I more... I didn't think it was a rip-off of Bond. I thought it was more like Cold War kind of yeah. espionage. Um, and anyway... It probably owes something to Bond. Yeah. Because Bond walked so could run. But literally, literally two days before we did Oppenheimer, I actually, um, Barbenheimer, I, I saw Dead Reckoning. I caught up mm. and I went, took myself to the cinema to see it. And I had a thoroughly good time. And have, yeah. I have just some thoughts. I concur with everything you said in your, your review. You can check out my full review on the feeds, guys. Yep. Uh, my, my screening room was, was very respectful and really enjoyed it as well. It was very hot. Didn't feel like two hours 45. Right. Um, love the third act. Oh, I, I, you know, you the train, say, yeah, the whole the piano, the whole t- the kitchen section. <laughs> yeah, with the gas. It's, yeah. like, it's so what I, what I think didn't stop. Sorry, what what made the Mission Impossible films get quite right is that they they not only are they you know fun and energetic, but they do actually recognise that they can they are a little bit goofy, yes, and a little bit you know silly, and they lean into that just enough. Mm to get away just enough to have like a smile on their face yeah. without taking the piss out of what's actually happening. Because it's delivered very seriously, Mission yes. Impossible. Um, but some of the humour and stuff is just pitched just right. I love that. Um, I loved Kittredge being back. Yeah. And I was like, it was Henry Cherney. I called him Tom Cherney in the review. But having Henry Cherney in it, I was like, you're really good presence in this film and I'm really I'm actually hoping that nothing happens to you in this film because I'm enjoying you in this film so much yeah. and he, he, you know doing the whole thing and the Dutch the, angles the and everything. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mr. Hunt. I, I love that and the way they kind of reveal him uh, at the beginning of the film and just set him up it's like yeah this is a heritage character that, coming back. That scene when they brief the rest of like the intelligence that, about right. there wasn't that that's just about so that's so yeah. there's this scene where like, I was talking to you about the dialogue yeah. scenes are really exhilarating this, and, but also like to the point where I was like I oh, look I'm not gonna follow what the entity is okay <laughs> yeah. there's a scene where it's like in you know the the deep heart of the national intelligence and they are agency. they are they are um like literally writing down yes. the world's information because they're worried that it's looking over this room yeah. of desks where they're codifying all the information oh, in the also, world also I haven't checked so so sorry just to clarify in the room you have Carrie Yules, who is now the head, or oh, Yules, I never know how to say a surname, yeah. Yules, who is this, the, now the director of, um, the, well, it's just the director of whatever secret service. I lose track of what agency we're know, in. The IMF, no, no, we're not, the IMF, <laughs> whatever, it's just in yeah. that section. And then in the room you have, it's the, obviously they filmed a lot of it in London, yeah. and they were like, what British character actors are available to do? We'll get Mark Gatiss, yeah. we'll get Indira Varma, Rob Delaney, do you want to roll? Three days of filming? Yeah. yeah that's fine. <laughs> and they are just deli- overlapping dialogue. Oh. And Mark Gatiss doing his American accent, even yeah. though he's a British actor, we don't even know what the entity is, sir. Yeah. And then they reveal Kittredge very nicely. Yes. Um, but the what I noticed, as I think, I mean, I haven't checked this online, but I was wondering in this scene, I was like, where's Angela Bassett? Because right, she was in yeah. the last one, right? Fallout. Yeah. But I noticed on the wall behind Carrie Yeah. is a picture of Angela Bassett, which looks to be 
Like she's now the president. Oh, and I was nice. like, oh, okay. Or she's just a much more seen. She's arrived at senior, but it's it's her oh, stood in front of an American flag. Oh, nice. And I was okay. like, oh, is it like a subtle reference to be like, well, we haven't, we couldn't get Angela Bassett because she was filming Black yeah. Panther two. Yeah. But we're going to reference the fact that she still exists in this universe. That's great. Um, I love, yeah, the slickness of it. Ving Rhames never stands up in the whole film. I think he spends the whole time <laughs> sat on a laptop like this. Yeah. Um, and then literally for the third act goes, I gotta go sit somewhere in a room because <laughs> I can't be running on a train. Yeah. And, and Tom Cruise is like, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> He's never really uh, Where's a hat for the entire film, Ving Rhames? Yeah. We never see the I top of his head. For most of the franchise, I'd say. Yes. Yeah. Um, I loved all that. I um I think that you're right. The 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 guy plays is it Gabriel? Yeah, a nice enough bit of menace and sort of chewiness with it. Yeah, but Haley Atwell, oh. great. Attention, big pocket. <laughs> That's what I'm going to I see. She was really really, really great chemistry with Tom what, Cruise. Yes, and what I liked is that she was a character who was very good at one thing, very good at one section of the stuff. Very good pickpocket, very yeah. shrewd, very smart, but also was vulnerable and not able to be a super useful. spy yeah. in, in other sections. So she was actually- And in that great... moment in the car where like, she obviously yeah. can't t- like drive a car with a handcuff. It's like yeah. the limitations are really good. If, if the third act is taken from Uncharted 2, that whole sequence with the handcuff, I was like, that's yeah. Tomorrow Never Dies on the motorbike. Oh, do you remember, God, yeah, do you remember yeah, yeah, with yeah. Michelle Yeoh and Pierce oh, Brosnan? Yes. Which yeah. is a great sequence on the BMW white yes, motorbike. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was like, look, I'll, I'll let you have that. Also, the stupidest detail is when he gets out his phone and it's like, safe car, safe house, or safe, <laughs> like, safe food. I don't know, something <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Like, what app is that on your yeah. phone? But, you know, a rip-roaring great fun. I think it's important that, you know, he came out just before Barbenheimer and um, it might have been easily missed, but consistently delivered at the level that the previous Mission Impossible films have. Yeah. I, I look forward to seeing what happens. It's it, Some of it is so silly. Like, the whole kind yeah. of... the the the, 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 the MacGuffin of the key and the entity, yeah, and Shay Wiggum as well. Love it, chewing the yeah. scenery as Ethan Hunt is an agent of chaos. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like when you had the the Rome scene and yeah. the Abu Dhabi bit. You know what I mean? There were three things at play. Yeah. Like in the in the Abu Dhabi bit, you've got the thing that Benji's doing. Yeah. You've got Tom Cruise and Haley Atwell, yeah. Gabriel and the yeah. agents. And like when one is no longer relevant, the other one comes like in dance, and it's yeah. like, or a it, was match, just, yeah. it was just so much happening. And that, I just thought that was yeah, so well it. done. So uh, I, I rate that, I rate that very much. I had a really, a really good time. And it, I actually went, I went to see that on my own. And it was, I, which yeah. I, you know, absolutely fine going to see it in the cinema on my own. But I did come out and I was like, I wish I had seen that with someone so I could talk yeah, to them about it. <laughs> Which is what you guys are here for, yeah. I suppose. So that was Mission Possible 7. I saw my cousin and he was like, he's like, you know, he's a very sort of, uh, he's very like smart and professional. And he was like, that was a lot smarter than I thought it would be. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? And he was like, yeah, like the whole conceptualization of the entity was really like well thought out. And I'm like, yeah, like as an AI thing, you're yeah. going to call the entity. So they did enough, like establishing yes. the threat of it and they had the visuals to like show you yes. that it was there. Also, Good. they do, which I won't reveal because I don't want to spoil it. They do something, but a certain character decision. They go, oh, I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you made the decision to do that with that certain character oh. so we can move this story forward. You you know what I mean? I can't remember. You don't. Okay, we'll just <laughs> <off there. laughs> you, you didn't say You didn't use the noun or you a verb. Yeah, you, <laughs> so you just said that. They decide, you know what? It's fine. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, guys, time to play some games as usual. We didn't play any games last week, so we have four rounds for you today of a game we played about a month ago, which I think we really enjoyed, which was guessing the movie from the song. Mm. Now, James... I went away and on the tube home in my mind palace, I was like, oh, I could have done, I could have done yeah. that round. And I have spent, uh, there's a l- massively long note in mm-hmm. my phone of me writing all these names down. So I have four rounds for you. Okay. Where, again, I'm going to name the song and the artist mm-hmm. and you have to tell me the film. Okay. We're going to do it quick fire. So I'm going to tell you the answer as we go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, James. I won't get all of it. I can just tell. I'm, no, I don't think you no. will. <laughs> no. <laughs> As for most games, no, I will no. most of them. James, mm-hmm. guess the movie from the song. Okay. In three, two, one. Stuck in the Middle with You by Steeler's Wheel. Reservoir Dogs. Yes. What a Feeling by Irene Cara. Oh, what film is that in? No, Flashdance. Okay. Caravan by Duke Ellington. Uh, the Whiplash? Yes, correct. I've Had the Time of My Life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes. Dirty Dancing. Correct. Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus. 
No, go on. Great needle drop in Silence of the Lambs. Oh, okay. Under Pressure, Queen and David Bowie. Oh, my God. No. Uh, Recent. Very distinctive. No, go on. After Sun. Oh, and yes. last one of the yeah, round, okay. Heart and Soul by Hoagie Carmichael. No, go on. Big Piano. Oh, big? Yes. Yes. Literally big piano. Well done, James. That was Ooh. not bad. You did You yeah. did better okay, than I expected. Better than I thought, yeah. Well done on Caravan. Because, yeah. Because I, I put that in there because that song is featured in the film a lot. And I thought... There's a really distinctive moment. It's like, okay, and now Caravan. There you go. James, are you ready for your next round? I want to rewatch Whiplash. You rewatched it recently. Ah, yes, great. Recently, I did rewatch it. Are you ready for your next round? I am. James, guess the movie from the song in three, two, one, Flight of the Valkyries by Wagner. Apocalypse Now. Correct. We Don't Need Another Hero by Tina Turner. Um... Mad Max Thunderdome. Okay. Beyond Thunderdome. Love My Way by the Psychedelic Furs. No. Call Me By Your Name. Okay. Everybody's Talking by Harry Nilsson. Oh, no. Go on. Midnight Cowboy. (gasps) Mrs. Robinson by Simon and Garfunkel. So famous. It's on the tip of my tongue. So famous. Go on. The Graduate. (sighs) Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Um, A couple of films. Oh, come on. There's one, Uh, one famous one that they use it in. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, fine. And Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan. No, I don't know. Zodiac. Oh, okay. That's good though. Come on, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Yeah, but like the pool cues. I feel like that's in a lot of of films. I don't think these these songs have been used in more than one thing. Okay. Also, I said Wagner. I should have said. Did I say Wagner or Wagner for Blind Wagner? Okay. Are you ready, James? I'm wearing you down slowly. It really does. It's such an assault of things. James. Mm hmm. Guess the movie based on the song in three, two, one. Born Slippy by Underworld. Uh, Train spotting. I believe I can fly. R. R. Kelly. Um, oh, uh, what's that in? Um, Space Jam. Oh, okay. A Man for All Seasons by Robbie Williams. <laughs> Johnny English. Yes. Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. Say again. Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. No. Very famous. The Exorcist. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh. Ninth, Be- uh, ninth, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Uh, well, the, do I know the ninth? Which you don't be... know the ninth? <laughs> that <laughs> is using Clockwork Orange. Oh, okay, fine. Thus Spake Zarathustra by Strauss. No. 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> I don't know the name. <laughs> I recognize so I don't know the name of it. Night Call by Kavinsky. Uh, over You Drive. Yes, and All Star by Smash Mouth. Shrek. Yes, and also <laughs> yeah. I would accept Rat Race as well. Yes, yeah. Well done. It's, it's like, I, I, I'm not sure, apart from the fifth, I can differentiate yeah, 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 yeah. Beethoven's. It's like, I know, but I'm, it's because in Cromwell Corrent, he's obsessed with Beethoven. He's a big yeah. fan. And thus, Big Zarathustra, I just know that because that's the... Yes. It's like, I'm gonna... Noah, there's, there's, I, I can't get it confused with the other Zarathustra. No, no. You know, the no. other Zarathustra speaking bit. There, there's a complete other version of this game which would actually be much more fun, which we can't play on YouTube, which would be to play the song. Yes, yeah, And then course. you do it, yeah. but, you know. Or be like one of those TikTok guys that goes and plays, you know, the thing gives a buck. <laughs> the number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not us. And they, always, they always look really into the, the really camera. like piercing, because I think they don't have a visual, so yeah. they're like, they give it to It's you. quite intense. Yeah. Last one, James, last okay. one. Um, Whereas we're, we're a TikTok channel... We, we don't really do eye contact. We're at each other. Last round, James. Are you ready? Sirens and Ireland. Guess the movie from the song in three, two, one, Being Alive by Stephen Sondheim. Being Alive by Stephen... Marriage Story. Oh. Mustang Sally by Los Lobos. Uh, Miss Congeniality. <laughs> Twist and Shout by The Beatles. Um, Famously. Oh, God. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, God. Knock It On Heaven's Door by Bob Dylan. You won't get this one. Oh, it's so <laughs> familiar. <laughs> that is actually originally made for Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. No, no. Super Freak by Rick James. <sighs> it's probably the songs like... <laughs> Final song of the film. No, I've not got it. Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, yeah. The Times They Are a Changing by Bob Dylan. No. Yes, the opening of Watchmen. Oh, Do you remember? I've seen it, yeah. Uh, Hip to be square by Huey Lewis in the news. Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? No, go on. Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? It's American Psycho, James. There's oh, a whole speech about it. Yeah. You did, I would Zero say, poorly. 
I yeah, would yeah. Say quite that, that last round was a fat zero. Bagel. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> hit, you, you hit a wall and you didn't keep going. It's hard. Like, when you say, um, if I played you the song, you'll probably do I it. I do a lot better, yeah. I'm Sometimes asking you to essentially be some sort of human Shazam. Yeah. And instead of telling me the film, or telling me the song, I'm asking you to tell me the film. Have you, you seen on, on Google, you can just sing it and without the words, you can hum it. Should we try it? It's really good. Can you show me how? If you've got the Google app, you need to have the actual, this isn't an ad, by oh, the way. Right. No, you need the Google app. Do you have it? Oh, wait, I haven't. haven't. (laughs) Okay, redo. (laughs) Sometimes when you interface with technology, (laughs) you really look like you've never seen it before. Like when you click on my laptop, all the windows just collapse. It's because it's a Mac. I know. Bum, 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 bum. It doesn't what? like bums. That it doesn't was... like bums. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode Did of Pop Kitchen. The that violence with which you slammed your phone down. You don't even have it in a case. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. And continue to follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Share and, and tell people about it. And also stay tuned for bonus content that we've got coming this week about Quentin Tarantino. And guys, if you have if you have now seen both Barbie and Oppenheimer and you've listened to our review and you want some more thoughts about the plot, we sort of just throw little bits of plot that we like and dislike at each other in our bonus. So go and check that out if you've seen both of the films and you want a little yes. bit more on that. We will get to your Barbenheimer emails, we promise. But in the meantime, everyone, have a good week. Just take it easy. Watch some films. Just enjoy your summer. See you next week. Bye.